Christmas, Wellspring. I'm so thankful that we get to be together. My name is Katie Gale. I'm one of the pastors here at Wellspring. We get to come and be together on this second Sunday of Christmastide because Christmas is not just one day. It's actually 12 days in the church calendar. That's where we get the song, The 12 Days of Christmas. There's your church calendar lesson for today. Um, but it is just so good to get to continue to celebrate the incarnation. If you're visiting us today, welcome. We're glad that you're here. We would love to know you and help you get plugged into this great community. So I just encourage you after the service, come out to the welcome table in the lobby and we'd love for you to fill out a connection card. We just wanna know you and help you get plugged in here. And we're just so glad that you're here today. So recently, I was reading an article in the New York Times where the Bible teacher Beth Moore was interviewed by one of the writers, Nicholas Kristof, about Christmas. And Kristof said, Merry Christmas, this is my favorite season, but I'm skeptical that Jesus was born to a virgin. Do we need to accept miracles to celebrate the Christmas story? And Beth Moore said, well, for people who believe Jesus rose from the dead, a virgin birth is not inconceivable. And then Christoph said, well, most Christians today no longer believe that the earth was created 6,000 years ago or that Eve was made from Adam's rib. So why hold on to the virgin birth? And Beth Moore said, if we were to strip the Bible of its wonders, miracles, and mysteries, we might have a religion left, but it wouldn't be Christianity or Judaism. The miraculous is essential. The miraculous is essential. Just let that sink in for a minute. The miraculous is essential to what we believe. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. We celebrate the miraculous. We celebrate the God of the universe who created all things, who had love and compassion on his creation. He didn't leave us alone or stuck in sin and brokenness, but he entered into our reality. He acted in history to bring about redemption and adoption into his family. The divine came into the presence of the ordinary. That is the story of Christmas. The reality of a young, unwed girl in Israel 2,000 years ago came into contact with the supernatural and everything was changed. The miraculous is essential to what we believe in the gospel story. Now I have people in my life, and I'm sure you do as well, who don't accept the miraculous, who reject the virgin birth or the resurrection. They don't believe in the supernatural. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you don't believe in God. You can't accept things that don't make rational sense to you. Maybe you've lost faith that if there is a God, he can actually do something with whatever you are facing. But my prayer for us today is that we would encounter God, the true and real and living God, and that we would come into his presence and that our hearts and our minds would expand to see beyond what we can see right in front of us. So Lord, I do pray that you would give us faith and hope and confidence in your work, that we would come into your presence and that you would speak to us today, Lord. Pray this in your name, amen. Today we're gonna look at Galatians 4, 4 through 7. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there. It's one of Paul's letters in the New Testament. And I want us to look at the miracle of Christmas, what takes place in the the incarnation. And it's because God has come close through this miracle that the miraculous continues to be possible in our stories today. Now let me say that again. The miraculous is essential to the Christmas story. And because of that, the miraculous is possible in our stories today. 
So we're going to start in verse 4 of Galatians 4. It says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. But when the set time had fully come, what does that mean? Well, it means that God is aware and in control of all of human history. Now, I know that can be sometimes hard to believe as we look around our world or we look into our own lives. But no matter whether we can see it, or even if we can't feel it, God is working. God is moving everything towards redemption and restoration. God created all things. He created humanity. And even when the first humans grasped for control instead of choosing God, even then God had a plan for redemption. Even in the Old Testament when God gives Abraham a promise that through him he will bless all the families of the earth, even then God had a plan for redemption. Even when God saved his people from slavery in Egypt, And then he gave them the law through Moses in the desert. Even then, God had a plan for redemption. Even as God intended the law to reveal sin and to reveal our need for a Messiah, but then God watched his chosen people become in bondage to the law. Even then, God had a plan for redemption. When the set time had fully come, God entered. God is at work in our world. Now, a lot of time elapsed between Abraham's promise and Moses receiving the law and then Jesus coming as a baby in a manger. A lot of waiting took place, a lot of longing and hoping and lamenting and doubting and wondering from a human perspective, not from God's perspective. When the set time had fully come, God acted. The ordinary reality of our world met face to face with the miraculous saving power of God. That is the miracle of the Christmas story. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. There are a few really important things in that sentence. The first is that salvation was God's initiative. God sent his son. God acted in history. God intersects with our reality. And second, God's son was born of a woman. Well, how could that be and why? Well, here's the miracle of the virgin birth and why we can't dismiss it. One commentator said, G. Walter Hansen says, the son of God was sent to be one with us in our humanity. He was God's son and he was Mary's son. The one and only God-man, fully divine, fully human, could enter into our experience and redeem us from it. And this God-man was born under the law. He was born to a Jewish mother. He was held to the obligations of the Jewish law. He experienced all the repercussions of the brokenness of this world. He was subject to temptation, suffering, loneliness, death. He was born under the law, but unlike any other person, he fulfilled the righteousness of the law. Here is the miracle of the Christmas story. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. As John Stott says, the divinity of Christ, the humanity of Christ, and the righteousness of Christ uniquely qualified him to be humanity's redeemer. God knew and God acted. 
God knew what was needed for our redemption, and he sent his son to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And think about this, the Christmas story. The God of the universe sent his son, the one and only God-man, to be born as a baby in a barn. What a crazy juxtaposition of the divine coming into contact with the human reality of dirt and cold and smells and animals and birth and babies crying. The meeting of the divine with the ordinary. That's the miracle of the Christmas story. By sending his son, not only did God redeem us from the bondage of sin and death, but we also can receive adoption to sonship. Oftentimes in scripture, the masculine plural, like brothers or sons, is actually meant to encompass both genders, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters. We see that even in verse 12 of this chapter. But here, Paul is very intentional to use the masculine to say we receive adoption to sonship. And why is that? Well, it's because in his world that he's writing to, the inheritance was only reserved for the sons. The legal rights, the position, only went to the sons. And we also are told by commentators that adoption was common practice at this time. So when a son was brought into a family, was adopted into a family, in all legal respects, he was equal to the other sons. He was given the same name, the same inheritance, the same position, the same rights as the natural-born sons. And so Paul is using his context from his culture to tell us something so profound, that through Christ, we become God's children by adoption and thus receive the full rights of the sons. We receive the full inheritance of the Father. We're given the same name, the same position, the same rights as the Son of God, as Jesus. That's incredible. That's miraculous. But in Christ, that's not only reserved for the sons. In the previous chapter in Galatians 3, Paul tells us, In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So Christ not only brought us into God's family as adopted sons, reflecting the earthly concept that it's only sons who receive the inheritance, But Christ opened the way for all people to become children of God, sons and daughters. God broke in and and worked through the ordinary customs and laws of this world to not only redeem, but to adopt us as his children. Church, this is extraordinary. This is the miraculous story of Christmas. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. In verse seven, he says, you are no longer a slave, meaning you're no longer in bondage to the sin and brokenness and death and the requirements of the law. No, you are God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. This is your true identity, a child of God, given the full inheritance of God's kingdom, God's blessings. Now, friends, I know many of us have heard the Christmas story a million times, but it should never get old. Because this is the divine breaking into our reality. This is the supernatural altering our ordinary existence. This is the God of the universe coming close, longing to know you and be with you, for you to be his child. 
And church, this miraculous work is not just reserved for that Christmas story 2,000 years ago, but it's actually possible in your story today. Paul tells us in verse six, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. In verse four, it says God sent his son, and now here God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. There's a double sending forth by God the Father. Ascending one time at the incarnation of Jesus as a baby, now a second sending of his spirit into our hearts. The spirit who makes God close, accessible, ever-present. God didn't just act one time in that incarnation and enter into history as sending Jesus and then kind of rub his hands together and say, well, my miraculous work is done. No, he sent the spirit of his son into our hearts That means God is always at work within us. His work of breaking into our ordinary reality is never ending. God has come close through the sending of his son and now also through the sending of his spirit. The miraculous was essential to the Christmas story. Because of that, it continues to be possible in our story. God is in our midst. He is with us. And the spirit that is within us cries out, Abba, Father, Now, the word Abba in the original language um, was a very intimate title for father. It was like a child calling a dad a papa or daddy. My kids are five and almost three, and they've discovered that it's fun to call me Katie instead of calling me mom. So they'll yell out, Katie or Katie Gale, and I look, I'm like, no, it is mom to you, you know. And why do I do that? It's because this is a special title. These are the only two people in the entire world that get to call me this, and it marks our relationship as personal and intimate and close. And you know, when, when they're scared or they get hurt or they're really excited about something, they don't call me Katie. They cry out, Mommy, I need you. Mommy, I'm so excited. Why? Because there's something about the closeness of our relationship. And that is what we have access with with God because of the spirit within us. We have this intimate relationship with God. We can cry out, Abba, Papa, Daddy. That's the same title that Jesus uses in the Garden of Gethsemane in his deepest place of fear and distress as he faced the cross. Jesus cried, Abba, Father. And through the spirit, God is intimately close and involved in your life. So no matter what you're facing, whether it's the ordinary mundane of the everyday, or it's a crisis, or it's suffering, or fear, or disappointment, or hopelessness, or discouragement. God is near and at work. The divine has come close. The supernatural is among us. The miraculous is possible in your life. God has broken in, and he continues to break in through his spirit. And just like in that first Christmas story, when God comes into the very ordinary reality of their lives, in the barn, with the animals, you know, God continues to break into the ordinary parts of our lives. But church, I wonder how often we actually recognize it. The Magi in the Christmas story, they were looking up at the sky and they recognized the star as a sign that the king of the Jews had been born. And they could have just explained that away as another bright star in the sky, But instead, they recognized it as the divine breaking in. And they ran to baby Jesus, and they fell down, and they worshipped. And I wonder how often the miraculous comes into contact with the regular parts of our lives, and we miss it, or we explain it away, or we doubt that God still works in miraculous ways. 
A few years ago, Micah, who's my oldest, is five. When he had just turned one, he broke his leg in just this weird accident. And we had dealt with a few little bumps and sicknesses in our first year of parenting, but this was our first big thing. And it's just crazy how your heart just breaks when your little one is struggling. And we were also, we were doing a full house remodel. We were living in my in-law's basement. Thanks, Lou and Mitzi, you're a great host. Um, but we were just under more stress than normal. And so this just felt like one, one too many things that we could handle. And we were driving home from the ER. Jeff was in one car. Um, I was with Micah in another car. And Jeff was just crying out to God, like, Lord, where are you? And how could you let this happen? And he was really struggling. And he got to a red light. And he looked over, and he was stopped next to an Amazon truck. And the Amazon driver started mouthing something at him. And Jeff thought he was saying something about his car. So he rolled down his window and he yelled, what? And the Amazon driver said, I love you. That's not a typical thing that a driver says. <laughs> yes, Jeff loves Amazon. We probably receive more packages than anyone in this room. But not a normal occurrence. So Jeff, thinking he misunderstood, shouted back, what? And he said, I love you. And again, you know, kind of, Jeff kind of shook his head and then looked back. And one more time, he, he mouthed, I love you. And Jeff, wanting to be polite, was like, thanks, man. It's been kind of a hard day. Uh, you know, and and he, he said back, I know, and it's going to be okay. And then the light turned green, and then they both drove off. Now, we could easily explain that away as a very friendly Amazon driver that expresses his love to everyone at stoplights. Or we could choose to see God breaking in, the supernatural coming into the ordinary moment of a dad really struggling. And we are very quick to explain things away as coincidence or minimize them as not that big of a deal. We look for rational scientific explanations and if it doesn't fit into our box of what makes sense, we disregard it. But God is at work all around us. It's actually something that we can learn from the global church. Americans can be so narrow-minded when it comes to the spiritual realm, but our brothers and sisters around the world have eyes to see the supernatural in ways that we can't or we don't. I recently reread the book, The Heavenly Man by Brother Yoon. It's about a pastor in the Chinese house church movement in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. Uh, and it rocked me to my core because these Chinese Christians actually believe this. They actually believe the divine breaks into the ordinary and they are seeing the miraculous work of God in ways that I long to see it in my own life. And friends, that is possible in our lives as well. But will we recognize it? Will we be open to it? God knew that Jeff needed to hear that he was loved and that everything was going to be okay. And could he use an Amazon driver to tell him that? Yeah. And it, it, was, it was a weird story. We kind of shook our heads, but we also saw that God is living and active in our lives. See, the miraculous is essential to what we believe. It's what Christmas teaches us. And now the miraculous continues to be possible in our lives today. And will we recognize it? At Christmas Eve services last week, I was talking to a mom who's been fervently praying for her prodigal adult children to come back to the Lord. And she's just, in really small ways, starting to see God woo them back to himself. And she said one of her kids came to church with her. And another went to a different service, and she said, it is a Christmas miracle. Or I was talking to a recent widow whose husband passed away very suddenly and unexpectedly. But God did a miraculous work of reconciliation with his son, and they forgave each other before his father passed away. And they didn't know that his father was going to pass. 
Or I think of my own son who has a lot of fear being in front of people and God gave him the courage to perform at his little Christmas show at school and it was huge for him. See, whether big or small, ordinary or extraordinary, this is miraculous work. This is the supernatural breaking in and bringing healing and redemption and restoration. God sent his son and transformed everything. C.S. Lewis said, the birth of Christ is the central event in the history of the earth, the very thing the whole story has been about. Because of this central miraculous event, we are redeemed and made children of God. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And so we have full access to his full inheritance as his children. We have access to his presence and power and gifts and all the facets of his kingdom. God has made them near and accessible. God continues to act in our ordinary lives with his supernatural power. So church, I want to encourage us in two ways today. The first is that if you haven't received this gift of Christmas, the gift of the gospel, today is a good day. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There's nothing you need to do to earn this gift. God did the work. The father sent his son, the perfect God-man, to redeem you and make you a child and heir of the father's inheritance. You just receive it with an open heart and say, I surrender to you, Jesus, and I receive this gift of grace. I receive Christ's miraculous work of his life, death, resurrection, ascension, and I long to see Christ's resurrected and miraculous work in my own life. And during communion, there's prayer ministers in the back. If there's anything you want to pray with, if you want to pray with someone, they'll be back there. And second, if you do know Jesus and you've accepted him, you believed this miracle of Christmas, ask the Lord to open the eyes of your heart to see where he continues to be at work in your life. Because of the incarnation, because Jesus came as a baby and entered into our reality, we believe that the miraculous continues to be possible, that God continues to enter into our realities. God breaks into the ordinary with his divine power. You have access to this real, intimate, personal relationship with the Father. God is close and near and accessible. So pray, come into his presence, ask him to reveal himself to you. Remember your identity as a child of the Father, so come into his presence. Where you doubt that God is at work, ask him to show you. Where you feel hopeless or fearful or there's anxiety or discouragement, whatever it is, Ask the Lord to help to do a miraculous work. Where you feel lost or confused, ask the Lord to show you the way. Church, we are believers in a God who does miracles. And not just miracles 2,000 years ago, when God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. That was a great, phenomenal miracle. But even today, through the power and presence of God in our ordinary experiences, we believe that God can still do miracles. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this word. Thank you for entering into our reality. Lord, would you plant this in our hearts? Transform us. Draw us closer to you, Lord. Reveal yourself to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.